Hello, and welcome to the first episode of my Cimarron 1872 podcast. My name is Matt Ruglis, and I'm an actor based in New Zealand. So, why am I talking about a place I've never been to? Well, my great-great-grandfather was a man called Henry Tinson, and in 1871, he left England for Cimarron, New Mexico, to work as secretary for the Maxwell Land Grant Railway Company. Later in the year, he was joined by his family, his wife Charlotte, sons Harold, Gilbert and Leonard, who was my great-grandfather, and daughters Frances, Jessica, Florence and Edith. Harold, who was at 22, soon returned to England for work to be followed by Gilbert to go to school. For this podcast, I will be reading from letters sent by Henry to Harold detailing his life in Cimarron. Each episode will be just one letter and they will follow in chronological order. Having said that, I'm now going to break that rule immediately with this first episode. I have no letter from Henry that describes his voyage from England to Cimarron. But I do have one written by Jessica to someone I, who I assume is a family friend, describing the family's journey to join Henry. Unusually, it is typewritten. Henry's letters are all handwritten. I do not expect to read each letter in its entirety for two reasons. One, there are some less interesting passages, and two, there are parts where I simply cannot read his handwriting. In a few letters, he's adopted a practice that was common at the time of writing across the page as usual, then when the page was full, turning the paper through 90 degrees and writing over the previous lines. These are very difficult to decipher. And finally, these letters display attitudes and ideas that were not unusual for the times. I make no judgment and present them simply as interesting historical documents. I hope you enjoy them. So here's the first letter written by Jessica, who was about 17 at the time, describing crossing the Atlantic and travelling to Cimarron. Maxwell Land Grant and Railway Company, Cimarron, New Mexico, November 6th, 1871. Dear Mrs Gilbert, you must have expected a letter from me long before this, but I will try and make up for lost time by writing an account of everything that has happened since we left England. After a great deal of worry and trouble, we started on August 10th for Victoria Docks. But our ship, the Denmark, did not sail that day, and it was not pleasant to wait another day, which, however, we had to do. The next morning we moved very slowly for about an hour, and then we had a lovely trip down the river. In fact, the journey to Havre was beautiful. We arrived there on Saturday morning at six o'clock, having been just 24 hours at sea. We stayed three days, and I think everyone enjoyed themselves immensely. At least, we all did. It was very warm weather, and it was impossible to go for a walk without suffering very much from thirst. But as almost every house sold cider, we managed to get on tolerably well. On leaving, we had very rough weather, but no one was sick. In fact, all seemed to be enjoying themselves thoroughly. And as there were only 21 in the saloon, we all knew each other, which of course made it very pleasant. I had been on board a week before I was ill, but I was worse than any of the others. In fact, for a week, I could not sit at the table for my meals. We arrived in New York on the 28th and stayed till the following evening. Mother had no trouble with anything, for we were met at the custom house by a gentleman and he had all our things passed without being looked at. We walked about New York as much as we possibly could. They have tramways all over the city and all day and night it is as noisy as Cornhill. That is, it 
once so when we were on the Broadway, which is the Oxford Street of New York. We commenced our journey on the cars, the railway, on the Tuesday evening. The first place we changed at was Chicago, where we arrived Tuesday evening. We stayed there about five hours, during which time I and one of my brothers saw a little of the city. The houses were very fine, grand in fact. We all took a great fancy to the place, and made up our minds to revisit it at our earliest opportunity, and I am very sorry that we can never do so. The next day we spent at Kansas City, which I did not like much. When we got to the hotel it was about ten o'clock in the morning, and having nothing to eat since six o'clock on the previous evening we were hungry. When asking for breakfast or luncheon, we were told we must wait until one o'clock when dinner would be served for all. Only fancy. At eleven o'clock at night, an omnibus took us all to the depot station. We all had to go on hands and knees to find our luggage, which, however, we were not allowed to bring. So we left all our treasures behind with nothing in the world to show that they belonged to us. Our journey by the cars ended next night at Kit Carson. There we found three men and three wagons waiting to convey us to Cimarron, a little more than 200 miles. On Sunday morning, we telegraphed to Kansas about our luggage and found that it was all safe. We could not leave Kit Carson till Tuesday morning, so the hotel keeper got up a very nice dance for Monday evening, which we enjoyed much. There were not above 80 people in the town. The next morning we recommenced our journey. We had a great deal more prairie land. We had already traversed the great American desert, which is very dreary. We camped out at night. The men used to light a fire and cook us anything we wanted, and it would not have been unpleasant if we could have had good water, but I can assure you we should have quite enjoyed a draught out of any English gutter. There was a clergyman in the train who told us that there was never any rain on the prairie, except when the Almighty had too much in the store and didn't know where else to put it. After that we thought our journey by the wagons would be a dry one. Imagine our feelings when on Friday afternoon it began to pour with rain and continued until Monday morning just before we arrived at Trinidad. We then had to cross the Raton Mountains. Our address is Cimarron, New Mexico, USA. And a more enjoyable day I have never spent. The scenery is superb. It is about 14 miles up the mountain and 12 down. We had to spend a night amongst the clouds, for it came on to rain again, and the roads were so bad the men would not push on. They had to sit up all night for fear of any horse thieves were about. The men each had a revolver by their sides and one in their hands. We arrived at Cimarron on Wednesday night. When in the wagons, I need hardly say, we were glad to see Father, who'd done everything he could to make us comfortable. Our house is a beauty, and we all like Cimarron very much. We all learned to ride horseback, and we are considered very good riders. The first time I went out, I rode 16 miles. It would have astonished the ladies of Rotten Row to see the places we ride over. We cannot go for a six-mile ride without crossing over a creek, a river, six or seven times. The water is not very deep, but the banks are very steep and in many places dangerous. Our rides were suddenly stopped about a month ago by the appearance of two highwaymen who robbed the coach and everyone who had any of the company's money. They sent word that they meant to rob the safe which is kept in father's office and if they could not force the lock, they meant to come to the secretary for the key. As father is secretary, this is not very pleasant. 
Two gentlemen slept at the house for several nights, and would have astonished you to have seen their bedroom lumbered with firearms of every description. However, the men never came, and one of the gentlemen who slept here had to go to Red River, a place about 35 miles from here. The two men suddenly stood in front of the coach and cried, Halt! They both carried double-barrelled shotguns, one pointed at the driver, the other at the passengers, and said, The first man who moves his hand or arm is shooted. I'll blow the top of his head off. Still pointing the guns, they ordered the conductor to give them any money the coach contained and registered letters. The man was bound to do so, or the man could have been killed. Therefore no one could ride out of Cimarron and be sure of bringing his horse in again, for the highwaymen took every horse they could. Several parties were organised to catch them, but they were always too well informed for Englishmen to be of any use. At last the company offered a reward of $15,000 for them dead or alive. The men, on hearing this, said they would kill every Englishman in the place, but they never managed, for the other morning two men brought them in, dead. I need hardly say we were all glad to hear it. It must seem strange to you that we were glad, but did you know half the trouble and excitement these men had caused you would not wonder at us being so? No one sat down without a loaded pistol and a belt full of cartridges. We're quite used to the sight now. In fact, I think I could frighten anyone did they attempt to hurt us. You will think what a dreadful place New Mexico must be, but I can fairly say that I do not believe that any one of us would like to return to England with a chance offered us tomorrow. Here we have a beautiful house and keep cows and chickens and pigs. Father is going to buy two horses very shortly, and then it will be even better still. We are making a very good thing of our music, even better than we expected. Twenty-five dollars a quarter, and I assure you the people are glad to get it at that price. Fanny has three pupils already, and I am going to have a dancing class, for being so long with you I know all the dances pretty well. You would like to see the Mexicans dance. It is said that they dance from the cradle, and so they do. The poorest child would be eagerly sought in England, such feet you never saw. English people have a great difficulty in obtaining boots large enough. The Americans and Mexicans have such small feet. You will think that I shall never finish my letter, but I have told all now. That is all I can tell in this letter, for I am sure you must be tired of reading. Is Miss Seven still with you? If so, please give her my love, and tell her that if she is not quick, some of us will change our name before her name. Not that there is any prospect of such an event, but everyone seems to think a girl cannot be single here very long, though I would rather be an old maid than marry an American. Hoping that yourself and Mr Gilbert are quite well, I remain yours affectionately, Jessica Tinson. Well, what an eventful few months. The house in Cimarron that Jessica describes still exists. It is now the Grand National Bed and Breakfast. In the following episodes, we will revisit some of these events and see them from Henry's point of view. Please subscribe to be sure of not missing an episode, and if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. Thank you. <laughs>